Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. I love Holy Week. I think it's one of the greatest connections of life because as I understand life, I think of the roller coaster of emotions I experience day in and day out, week by week, month by month, year by year. Different challenges, different objectives, goals, and it varies. And Holy Week does this to me as a Christ follower. As I think of the celebrations of Palm Sunday, the Messiah making himself known, coming into Jerusalem. And then you progress through the week where it turns very dark and dreary. The cross becomes very prominent and real. And then a tomb. A dark, cold, empty tomb. A grave. But it was empty. And the celebration again. Going through this roller coaster of emotions. That dear Lord, don't let this holy week Be the same as the years before, but God, what do you want to speak to me? What do you want to reveal to me that I might be drawn and brought closer in relationship to you? That's a genuine heartfelt desire. And as as I reflect on this week, as I think back, and, and I look through scripture, I think of all the big God moments from creation. That was a big deal. God just spoke everything into existence. I think of when a whole league of angels turned their back against God. I think of the spiritual warfare that happened between the forces of good and evil. I think of the flood when God said, humanity, you got it all wrong. Enough's enough. But I come down to the incarnation in this Holy Week and I think about when Jesus took on human flesh. What are some of the experiences? And you know what? I think Jesus experienced life quite easily. He was the Son of God. He was perfect. And I think when you look at his life, the interactions, the people, did he get upset at times? Yes. Did he get emotional at times? Yes, because he was fully God and fully man. But I think something shifts for Jesus in this moment of the triumphal entry. I think something becomes so overwhelmingly real in his humanity, fully God, fully man, of knowing the end of my carnal nature, the end of my humanity is about to cease. This experience of my own creation, being able to connect to it and relate, it's going to look a little bit different very soon. As he was saying his goodbyes, as he would be betrayed, arrested, beaten, and crucified, and laid in a tomb. Jesus is going to experience physical pain and suffering to the extreme. It's becoming real. And he's carrying the weight of the world 
the weight of all creation on his shoulders as he's presenting a new way, a new opportunity for us to be forgiven. Everything is changing. And folks, it's the start of Easter. It's the Easter story. As we are an Easter people, how do we reflect on the realness of this time? You, you, gotta, you have to understand this. This week is not about a holiday. It's about a holy day. And it's about a moment to pause and reflect on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's the pinnacle of our faith and an event that changed everything for you and I for eternity. This is now. C.S. Lewis says the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Two weeks ago, we began a brand new series called Tough as Nails. What does it mean to be tough as nails? We begin talking about war and these battles that go on, and it's a war that's unlike any other war in history. It's a battle that happens here. It's a battle that happens in life, in experiences and in relationships. There's a constant battle going on inside of us to do the right thing rather than what's easy or popular at times. To be countercultural in a lot of senses of the way. And I said this I said, how we battle determines everything in our lives. So if we're not going to make Christianity moderately important, then this has to have ultimate authority in our lives. We have to know and understand God's word, and it better be the ultimate authority. So the key to battling well is found in Scripture. It's all spelled out for us. It's all laid out to say, here is how you be a Christ follower. Here is how you honor God through all you say and do. And last week, we looked at one of the great battles, forgiveness. And, and if we're going to battle well and not make Christianity moderately important, then we better do as the Father has done for us. Forgive others of their sins because your Heavenly Father has forgiven you of your sins. This week, I want to look at another great battle of faithfulness. How do we stay the course, especially when the going gets tough? Because it's going to get tough. It's going to be a rocky road. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be challenges that beat us down and weigh heavy on our shoulders. And I think about the ride that Jesus was making in through the city gates on the back of a donkey, usually celebrated with the palm branches and fun-loving pictures, but this was not an this was not a ride on a donkey at a petting zoo. It wasn't warm and fuzzy. He was declaring that he was the Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but he knew the week that was about to come. I think it was a mixed bag of emotions, if you will. So think about this. Why is staying faithful 
so hard. Why is it difficult? I think it's because the world is pretty lousy at depicting, modeling what true faithfulness is all about. You see this in your workplace all the time. You find it in marriages, even within the church. You find people lack faithfulness towards their family and their friends. And let me step on a few toes for a moment. Sometimes we struggle with faithfulness with our church. Psalm 12.1 says, There's no longer anyone who is godly. The faithful, this is a key word, the faithful have disappeared from humankind. So nothing great can happen apart from God. God is the centerpiece of all good and wonderful things. So faithfulness has to be a big deal to God, and it is. And the key to battling well is live as he has with us. We read from Hebrews chapter 12, and in verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off anything that hinders. This is our ideas, our agendas, our thinking, our misconceptions, our biases, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with faithfulness, a key word, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the focal? The one that showed us that he could live a perfect life. Set the ultimate example for you and I that we are to become imitators of him. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with faithfulness the race marked out for us. Therefore, the great cloud of witnesses is a key to understanding faithfulness is all about. Therefore, the previous chapter, Moses, Abraham, and Rahab. These individuals, for what they accomplished, are not mentioned here. It's not about their accolades and their, their CV, if you will. They're not here because of that. They're here because of their faithfulness. Let me help you a little bit. How many of you are familiar with the story of Burt Monroe? Ring a bell? A couple racing fans, speedsters, heavy foot people. Yep, Burt Monroe, the world's fastest Indian. It's a great story, and I know there's a lot of complaints from the Kiwi constituency that uh, Anthony Hopkins' accent portraying Burt Monroe was horrible. But a great story. An amazing story, holding seven New Zealand speed records and three world records. One, I believe, that's still in existence today. With his first world record being set at the ripe young age of 68. 68 years old to journey across the ocean, to hop on the back of his motorbike and break a world speed record. 
What an absolute legend. Phenomenal story. Why do I mention that? I'm not sure if Bert believed he was going to do it or not. I can't imagine what was going through his head. People in their prime with all the technology, the money, the resources. I don't know if he believed that he was going to set it. I don't know if he knew that he would do it. It was a major undertaking. You know what? I don't know if Abraham believed that it was all going to unravel and happen either. I don't believe Moses maybe believed that it was all going to happen. But the reason Bert did the impossible, the reason I believe these great cloud of witnesses are recorded in Scripture, because they didn't stop playing. They stayed in the game. They were intently focused and passionate about what they were doing. And Bert simply refused to stop. So let me give you some advice, church. Don't throw in the towel. Don't hit the timeout button. Don't run off the field. Keep playing. Keep pushing on. And I know so often in life we find that the situation, the circumstances, the place we find ourselves isn't always rose petals and golden retriever puppies, flowers and rainbows. Sometimes it stinks. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it hurts and we experience pain. There's times when you look at your life and you say, man, that's not fair. Or you look at someone else's life and the troubles and the challenges that they're facing and you're like, God, why is that happening to them? It's not right. It's not fair. Why do bad things happen to good people? A philosophical conundrum. And I think it leads us to play this game of would-ofs, could-ofs, and should-ofs. The times where we ask these questions about what could have been. They get surrendered before time was up. I wonder how many marriages check out and they throw in the towel and say, you know what, I've had enough. Think how many dreams are pushed aside to say, you know, that was a big dream of mine for so many years, but it's just not going to happen. Goals, ambitions. What if you stayed in the game and just kept playing? You've maybe heard the old adage, it ain't over until the fat lady sings. Do you have that saying in New Zealand? Okay, good. So let me say something a bit more PC that's full of truth. It ain't over till the Father says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's not over. Every day that the good Lord gives me breath, there's something more today than there was yesterday. There's something more tomorrow than there is today. Because I serve an infinite and abundant God that wants nothing more than for me to understand His fullness and my fullness in which He created and embedded in me. 
the hopes, dreams, ambitions, goals, ways in which I can impact the world around me and expand God's kingdom here on earth. So it ain't over till the Father says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man will be richly blessed. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to quit? Just throw in the towel and say, that's it, I'm done. All the parents say, amen. Mama said there'd be days like that. Moments where you just wanted to say, enough's enough. I know I have. Pastor Joey just ran a half marathon. I would have been in the first hundred meters and say, no more. I'm done. Drive me to the finish line. But I can think of a story, an experience in my own life where I was so excited about it. And when it became a reality, when it got right there in front of me, I just wanted to turn and go the other way. You see, I was serving as a chaplain for the Huron Police Department. Wonderful ministry, wonderful group of people. And I had the opportunity to become a police officer. I thought, man, I had always had the dream of being a police officer. So cool, this would be amazing. So I filled out the application, I put together a CV, and I presented it to the police, and I waited for that letter or that phone call, and for weeks I heard nothing. And then I get this letter in the mail to say, Joshua S. Bolin, you have been selected for tryouts for the Huron Police Department. You will have your physical fitness test in three days. Oh my goodness. What was sure excitement, Becca, I almost cried, right? I'm sitting there thinking, I can't train and get ready for this. I thought I would have at least had a month's notice. I knew the physical fitness test was coming. And I just didn't want to show up. I wanted to crawl underneath a rock and hide, never to be seen again. I thought, no, my name's out there, so I need to try to honor it, and I'm just going to do my best. So that night, I went for a run. All right, I went for a walk. And I was huffing and puffing and miserable. And I thought, I can't do it. I cannot physically do it. And I don't know how many times I just wanted to throw in the towel and quit. I found out that the physical fitness test was how many sit-ups you could do in a minute, okay? How many press-ups you could do non-stop. You just kept going until you couldn't do any more. And then we were going to have to do a two-and-a-half-kilometer run, timed. And you had to meet it within a certain uh, time frame. I thought, this is going to be difficult. So I'm sitting there and I'm kind of eyeing up everyone else. There was over 20 people that showed up for the physical fitness test and only five people were getting selected to become police officers. I thought this is, I'm going to be a joke. People are going to laugh at me. And we went out there and I was watching one of my buddies. He was a wrestler. He was built like a tank. He was strong. He was fit. I don't know how many sit-ups that guy did. Press-ups, they stopped him at 150. Non-stop, just... I did what I could, and then it, we finished with the run. At the end of all of it, 
I thought I would need an ambulance. I thought you were going to see what I had for breakfast that day. It was tough. And I don't know how many times I wanted to just say, I quit. I was overweight. I was unfit. And who did I think I was? I thought it was going to be game over because only the top five people were going to make it. We also had a, a, a bookwork test, and I wasn't worried about that at all. Here's what happened. I showed up on the day, I gave it my best, and I was fourth out of 23 people in sit-ups. Sweet. In the top five, that's good. We got to the press-ups. I was third. We got the two-and-a-half-kilometer run. Third place. Praying every step of the way. <laughs> the chief leaned over during the run to a captain, which was a good friend of mine. He said, boy, who is that big guy? He can move. <laughs> That's Josh, our chaplain. He was like, what? <laughs> Running around the track that day. And there I am on the screen. That was after police academy when we were able to take to the streets to serve Huron community as a police officer. A goal accomplished. Something that was so fulfilling, yet one of the most difficult things I've done in my adult years. And I wanted to quit so many times. So how do you keep from not quitting? You just got to keep playing. Play the game. Give it your best. And a goal, if you're a goal-oriented person, you start with the end in mind. I wanted to be a police officer. I had to fulfill the physical fitness requirements to become a police officer. I want to hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I need to live to honor and glorify God in all I say and do. Simple, yet so incredibly profoundly difficult to carry out day by day. So hear this. Whatever is closest to your mind will come to mind every time you're in a battle. That's why the mindset of, well, we'll see what happens, or, oh, no, this is impossible, I've already failed. It's not a good mentality. It's not a good thing to let plague your mindset. Because ultimately, you will fail. Tell yourself that over and over again, and you're not going to get anywhere. Hebrews 12, 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of our faith. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to quit. But ultimately, I had to show up. And it worked out. I think God really heard my prayers. Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finished. Let me give you some advice. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yep. So how do you finish a race that seems impossible? Count each step. It's one step at a time. That's what I did running around that track that day. Knowing it's just one foot in front of the other. Keep going, 
Keep breathing. Don't die one step at the time. But somewhere along a race, anything that you're running, anything that you're actively doing or pursuing, there's something kind of like a bear that'll jump up on your back and rip you to pieces and tell you you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. Maybe that's happened in your job. You're not good at this anymore. You're not making a difference. Maybe it's in your marriage of, there's no way I can end up being happy in this mess. Maybe it's with your child of saying, I'm the worst parent in the world. I can't figure this out anymore. I cannot do it. A profession, a career, everything you've worked for to say, there's no fulfillment in this. I'm done. The reality is, no matter where in life, you'll have a bear that'll jump up and sink its claws so deeply into your back to say, just quit. Just quit because it doesn't matter. You don't matter. Just throw in the towel and quit. Nothing stops one's race quicker than the bear of adversity, the bear of pain. And in that moment, you'll want to quit because you're a human being. And it's a natural tendency to say, man, God, I'm done. I don't want to endure this pain anymore. This is awful. There's got to be an easier way. Deliver me from this adversity. Deliver me from this pain. We fix our eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Have you ever heard of the U.S. Navy SEALs? In my opinion, I might be a little biased. In my opinion, I believe that they are the toughest group of people on the face of the earth. That when I think tough, tougher than tough, hard as nails, tough as nails, unbreakable, I think of a U.S. Navy, US Navy SEAL. We had a family friend that was one, and he was a hero to me. His stories that he could tell, his accomplishments, the things that he endured and conquered were amazing. And there's a key to their, the Navy SEAL survival guide, if you will. It's one more breath, the one more step, the one more kilometer, the one more day, the one more sunrise. These centimeters become your little victories, and the sum total of these little victories become your life, your survival, one step at a time. So what's your next step? I want to encourage you. If you're hanging in there, hanging in there by a thread, and you're asking yourself, what's your next step? Take it. Take it. One foot in front of the other and keep pushing forward. You're one step closer to the finish line. That finish line of well done, thy good and what? Faithful servant. So now what are we to do? If we're on a solid pace and all in, if we're playing the game, if we're like, yes, Jesus, 
guide me every step of the way? We have to finish the race. We have to finish. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I was faithful. There's a story that goes back to 2002 in Park City, Utah. Park City was the host of the Winter Olympics. And in the finals of the men's 1,000-meter speed skate, five finalists were battling it out. Watch this. On paper, he was eighth to finish. You know, speculation going into the Olympics and to walk out with a gold medal around his neck. Stephen Bradbury from Australia won the gold. He finished the race. He stood on the podium. It blew everyone's mind because no one expected it. So for no other reason, he got that gold simply because he finished the race. He hung in there. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't quit. Even when he was really far behind. Lagging behind everyone else. Just keep moving. One foot in front of the other. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Sometimes church, I think we're running the wrong race. That's not why it's so easy to get entangled. I think we forget the why. And we start competing with those around us that we need to one-up the people next to us, behind us, in front of us. That we have to be a better-looking Christian to our community. We need a better job so we can keep up with the Joneses. And we compare ourselves to the people around us because we feel shorted. We feel like we've been unfairly dealt with at times. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, I observe something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win. The strongest warrior doesn't always defeat. Just keep running. Just finish the race. Matthew 24.13, the one who is faithful to the end will be saved. Hear these words from Billy Graham as I close and the worship team can come. Only by a life of obedience to the voice of the Spirit, by daily dying to self, by a full dedication to Christ and constant fellowship with Him, are we able to live a godly life 
and have a positive influence in this present ungodly world. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the journey that lies ahead in this Holy Week. As we think of the celebrations and the shouts of joy of Hosanna from so many people's mouths, yet fully to understand and comprehend the cross that was near. God, that you would unravel your ultimate plan to show to us, to prove to us the victory over the grave. Life eternal. But magnified in that deep understanding and that well of knowledge and truth was the problem of our sin. The sin that separated us from you, our loving Heavenly Father. And God, I think in this moment of time, how many ways in which we get sidetracked that the evil one comes and hijacks the joy and experience of life from us to cause us to compare ourselves to others, to get rooted more and more deep within our own sin and our faults and our failures. God, this morning, might we put a stake in the ground to say, Satan has no way in our lives. He is not welcome here. And God, I think of the many of us that experience the bear on the back far too often. The pain, the struggle, the things that emotionally and physically wound us deep within. That we just want to say, I've had enough. I'm done. And we quit far too early. Lord, I pray that you help each and every one of us as your people be tough as nails. Not in a hardened sense of the way, but in a godly, pure, and holy way. Magnify us to the beauty of the creation in which you instilled and embedded within each and every one of us. God, bring before us, keep our eyes fixated on the goals and the dreams that we share because of our relationship with you. God, we pray that you do a mighty thing in and through your people, your church. God, all the people in the world who are struggling, who are hurting, who are empty, who don't understand what this week is all about, I pray that you would use us to speak wisdom, grace, truth, and love into their lives. Help us to be that beacon of light, that hope that inspires, that helps, that encourages people who need it most. God, I thank you for the amazing outreaches that we've had just this week. God, throughout a difficult year that just to be able to gather together as a community with smiles, laughter, stories, and wonderful conversation. God, let that be seeds planted. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and water and nurture those newfound friendships that were formed. God, that eternity would be written all over it. God, that you would use us as difference makers 
change agents in the world. God, smile upon us. Give us your favor. Lord, we'd be fools to come before you to say all is right in the world because it's broken, it's hurting, and it's lost. God, be with fellow believers across this globe as they gather in places of worship today, tomorrow, and the remainder of this week. God, might we pray and even expect revival to occur. God, we pray for great things and we have huge expectations. But God, we recognize that yours are even bigger and more grand. Reveal that. Lord, for many that we love and we cherish who are sick and facing challenges, give them the extra strength and encouragement they need. God, I still believe that you're in the great work of being a magnificent and wonderful healer. We pray for it, Lord. But Lord, in the closing of this prayer, help each and every one of us to just hit the pause button this, this week. Help us to sincerely reflect and ponder your goodness. Help us identify the shortcomings and the pitfalls that need addressed. And Lord, might we just declare that we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, God. And thank you for loving us in return. Show us the way, Lord, step by step, we pray. In the holy and awesome name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, all of God's people said, Amen.